Welcome to the seventh episode of the Wilfrid Laurier University Association for Music Creators podcast. AMC is an organization that facilitates events, socials, and performance opportunities for student composers, songwriters, improvisers, and anyone else that creates new music at Laurier. Check out our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what we're doing. In this podcast, we talk to the music creators of Laurier about their music, careers, and anything else that comes up. This episode is hosted by myself, Jotham Cinema, along with Ethan. Today's guest is Andrew Reinhardt. All right, welcome to the podcast, Andrew. How are you doing today? I am good. So, Andrew, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Andrew Reinhardt. Uh, I'm a multimedia artist. Uh, my primary media is sound. My primary sound vehicle is electroacoustic harp. Uh, but I also like working with found objects, uh, watercolor, uh, really into music boxes lately, uh, flower pods, a, a lot of just things that I think have interesting sounds. And I'm a teacher and a performer and creator. Um, okay, that's a uh, lot. That's why I like the term multimedia artist. It doesn't pigeonhole me. You know, and, uh, yeah, it's a totally meaningless term that says just enough. Uh, I, I like the term de-siloing. I think as we are very siloed, we've, we've got large structures around us of, well, faculty of music, faculty of psychology, department of natural sciences, um, everyone in their own departments, uh, well, we don't communicate with other departments and that even goes within a faculty and within a department, right? I, uh, IMA is sectioned off from uh, theory majors. So I, I'm, I'm really, I, I think that's a wonderful idea. Well, I think it's a wonderful passion to pursue the mixed arts, um, bringing everything together is, you know, yeah, it's, it's very, 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 I'm trying to find the right word for that. There's a lot of room for passion, so I can say there. It's liberating. I get to yeah, do liberating. what Absolutely. I want. Tell us a little bit about that, about the liberation. Well, um, so I guess I figured out what I like to do by doing a lot of things that I didn't like to do. And I think like, so when I started at Laurier, uh, I was very determined to be an orchestral performance major. And uh and I, and before i came to laurier i played for the windsor youth orchestra i played for the windsor community orchestra i played for the university of windsor wind orchestra um and honestly i was just really bad at it uh i'm really bad at uh having other people tell me what to do um and by that i mean like a conductor and the more i did it the more i was like why, why do I want to do this exactly? Like, uh, I, I really don't like it. I really don't like uh, the stress of it. I'm really good at doing what I want to do. Uh, in fact, I'm the best at doing what I want to do because nobody else knows what I want to do quite the same. But I'm actually not that great at being told what to do. And so I, I, I really needed to find a way of liberating myself from that while also maintaining uh, the standard for like 
artistic integrity, um, which I've kind of found over several years. I, I mean, like I'm decent at doing what other people want me to do, but it, it has to be in a, in a collaborative setting. And, I, and yeah, that's it. I'm not good at being told what to do. I like to collaborate with people. Uh, and, and when there's not that interaction between uh, two parties or more parties, uh, I, I kind of flounder a little bit. I kind of, I kind of don't enjoy that. I, I enjoy putting myself into things uh, and seeing what other people have to offer. So I don't really like any sort of creation that's hierarchical. Um, so that's kind of how I sought out my liberation was initially by removing everyone but myself uh, so that I could just do what I like to do. And, and I'm really uh, interested in honesty. Uh, so I, I just uh, put out my honest self of what I am. And, and uh, surprisingly, or at least surprisingly to me, uh, a lot of people that I thought were in a way higher skill bracket than myself took interest in what I'm doing and were interested in collaborating with me. And, and that's like the best feeling is like having like these arsenal of people that are like, yeah, I'm interested in working with you. And then not only do you get to like have these really skilled people to work with, uh, you also can help them with their projects. And that's really exciting. Uh, so I'm really interested in collaboration. I find collaboration liberating because it's it's a removal of hierarchy. So what I'm curious is, how do you apply this sort of philosophy of yours? Well, not really a philosophy, but more of a mindset or a worldview that you, you dislike the hierarchical structure. So what are some ways that you apply this idea of what it means to be a musician or for, for how you are a mus musician? I just um, really am interested in playing. And when I say that, I don't mean playing the harp um, or anything. I mean like playing like how kids play pretend on the playground. Um, and I think that uh, my role as an artist or where I fit in in the realm of being an art maker is helping show people different ways of viewing the world and different ways of playing. And I think that that's something that we uh, are taught to stop doing at a certain age and like become more serious. And I think it's something that uh, takes away from our enjoyment of life. So sometimes I think of uh, my work as playful in a, in a silly way where it's just like kind of fun to consume and it's fun to be a part of it. And other times I think of it as a more serious form of like mental play where it's like, uh, how can I convey to somebody that this way that you've always thought of looking at something doesn't actually have to be that way and it actually could be something a lot different and there's actually a, a better way of interacting with your surroundings and those are things that i'm really excited about right now it's maturity not in the way of um playground bullying but being able to use your playground imagination really is an aspect of maturity i do believe uh when when you're talking about pianists like uh like Lysista or Lang Lang, they're, they're very, they don't play, you know, they don't play, they perform. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. Uh, I see what you're saying there. Um, and and uh, 
And I do take myself seriously as a performer. But I always try to make sure that there's not a fourth wall between me and my audience. I always want it to be a very inviting space. I always want it to be, you know, I, I, I don't like the idea of people coming to my shows and being scared to unwrap a candy or fart or anything like that. I really like it when people just uh, feel very comfortable being honest with their body and self when they enjoy my music. And I feel as though like we're beaten out uh, to be totally honest with ourselves. Uh, I, um, I really take a lot from Yoko Ono where she, she talks a lot about imagining. And uh, I really like the way that she, she says, um, whether you imagine it or whether you actually do it, you've done it. And so I kind of take that approach and a lot of my recent work is um, about uh, guiding, uh, imagining and creating new ways of being or new things to have or new things to experience and just enjoying imagining them for that time and being able to go visit it again later. kind of been discussing your journey about going from doing what others want you to do and then sort of moving into doing what you want to do and doing that with other people. I'm curious if you can pinpoint maybe an exact moment or an exact project where you started to become more interested in composition and creating your own art. Ever since I can remember, I wanted to to create art and the and the reason i want to be an artist is because i want to be free um and i am an artist you know an interesting thing about artists and uh a friend of mine said this the best way i ever uh heard is that you know you have to go to school to be a doctor you have to go to school to be you know a veterinarian or whatever those are the only things coming to mind at the moment but you can just say that you're an artist and when you create things you are an artist it's just deciding to what caliber you want to have that and so i've always been an artist but then when i started playing the harp i really kind of took off on it and i had uh, a very technically driven orchestral teacher that kind of made me uh view it in this very one-dimensional way of like this is what a harpist is and uh it, it took me until probably my second year of university to really realize that like i am a harpist i am a uh, I identify as a harpist as well. Like it's it's very tied to my identity, but um, I'm not I'm not like a, what a harpist is traditionally seen as. Uh, it's just a it's a I'm an artist that happens to play the harp. Um, and it was after first year I played in the wind orchestra and I was just terrible, and I hated it, and. I asked my teacher if I could please be put into the orchestra in my second year. And she told me no, because the upper years got to play in the orchestra. And so to rebel, I took uh, the improvisation concerts Ensemble Ice uh, because I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I hate it. Uh, and that's where I really realized like, oh, I'm actually able to just make things. And that felt like so much more genuine to who I am as an artist. Uh, it really kind of was um, a pivoting point 
to realize that like I don't actually have to have anyone directing me as to what to do in order to have enough uh, agency over what I make to know that I'm creating something worthwhile. And I can be in the driver's seat of the, what that creation is. What are some of your other sources of inspiration? You've mentioned Yoko Ono, um, but who are your other you know, favorite songwriters or music creators and how have they influenced you over um, your time as a musician or artist in general? Well, yeah, that's interesting because uh, I mentioned earlier, I always thought I would be a painter. Uh, and, I, and as a musician, um, a lot of my biggest influences are visual artists or painters. Um, uh, Yoko Ono right now is probably one of my biggest influences, though, and she's, uh, I would call her a multimedia artist or a mixed media artist. Um, but musicians, uh, I, I really am inspired by Zena Parkins. Um, she's a free improviser. She's also happens to be a harpist, uh, multi-instrumentalist, uh, really into electronics. Uh, she's kind of somebody that I, uh, I don't know if I draw too much from her, other than um, I really enjoy to to witness her, uh, and like when I see her doing what she does, because that's what she does is what she does. Um, I find that very inspiring because I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to do what I do, uh, and and just because she's a harpist and electronic and sort of like interdisciplinary, it's it's kind of exciting to see somebody doing that uh, professionally. Uh, I also draw a lot from Laurie Anderson. Laurie Anderson's probably one of my most influential people over the last. Uh, yeah, she's probably one of the biggest influences to me musically. Um, and that's because I really enjoy the way that she uses text uh, in a really playful, sort of bizarre way. Uh, she's really into storytelling. And I think storytelling is a really effective thing uh to communicate and i think music augments storytelling so much it's um uh, so i i really enjoy that and i'm really happy right now i spent a long time trying to write my own stories and i'm just not very good at it um i'm pretty good at realizing people's stories musically but i'm not very good at making up my stories uh so right now i'm collaborating uh with a, a very good friend of mine who's a musician and poet his name's Eli, uh, and him and I are working on a project right now that is about uh, gardens and uh, and creating and imagining gardens. I also wanted to make sure I mentioned that uh, I think the first person that really struck me as an artist that like I uh, I couldn't stop thinking about was Georgia O'Keeffe. Uh, she's a painter. And uh, I particularly like her New Mexico and her floral works. And I, um, and I still think about her all the time because I, uh, I think about how she takes something that you see sort of every day and she abstracts it, not by misshaping it or altering it, but actually just by making it bigger. and. And so it, it forces this new perspective on something. She'll take a flower that's the size of your thumb and she'll make it into a four foot wide canvas. And, and it forces this new way of interacting with it. And 
So when I, I see things that she's painted out in the world, I, uh, I see them a little differently. And, um, and then that makes me question other things that she hasn't painted and how I can view them differently. And I like to take a similar perspective to her and how she alters her world, not by um, distorting it, but just by amplifying it. Uh, and I like to take that sort of approach to how I create music and how I convey what I want to say. Coming back to honesty, I don't like to lie about what exists. I just like to put a spin on how we typically uh, interact with it. I think that's fantastic. You've got a really wide variety of inspirations and of role models. Um, part of that is by virtue of the fact that their professions are so uh, varied. I mean, Laurie Anderson. Uh, what does Laurie Anderson do? Uh, avant-garde artist, right? Multimedia. She's actually where I, uh, she, there's an interview she gave where she said her advice to young artists is to call themselves a, a multimedia artist because it's meaningless and it won't pigeonhole you. we've talked a lot about your mindset and the way that you approach making art um i was wondering if you could take us more like step by step kind of what you're kind of through your writing process just so we can see what's going on inside your head as you're making art um so right now my biggest project is this collaboration with uh, my friend eli uh, where I'm setting a series of his poems to music. Um, and so that's uh, perhaps the most relevant to my writing process now. It changes a little bit uh, from, from piece to piece. Uh, but generally, it starts with a, a concept. I kind of, it starts with my uh, brain as to what do I want to say? Or I'll have a thought and I'll go, oh, I should share this thought. And I'm better with sounds than I am with words, which is why it's good to have friends that are uh, good with words to collaborate with. But I'll, uh, I'll find out what do I want to say. And then once that's figured out, I go, okay, now how do I want to say it? And, and that's usually the hardest part. Um, and most often I'm at my, my instrument. The nice thing about being an electronic or electroacoustic performer is uh, that makes the like, possibilities with my instrument almost infinite. Um, so I, I don't really have much worry there. I also, uh, bizarrely, you know, being in the art music realm, I don't like it, or I don't like the idea of other people playing my music. Um, so I always write for me, which is probably why I write so much for the, the harp. But once I kind of figure out how I want to say it, I'll uh, usually take that as a jumping off point to improvise. Uh, everything always starts as an improvisation. 
regardless of what kind of uh, a music writer you are, um, everything starts off as an improvisation. I don't know if everyone will admit that, but I start off with an improvisation and, uh, and I kind of will go, okay, that was good or that was bad or what was good or what was bad. And so I take things and I throw things out and I uh, change them. And I always like to use as little material as possible. You know, I like to, uh, I don't like to have everything in the kitchen sink. I like things simple. I like to parse everything down as uh, to its, its roots, its core. So I usually will just start by playing what I think I liked and then I'll uh, listen to it and I'll kind of ask myself, where does it want to go? Um, just how I like don't, I don't like having people tell me what to do. I don't really like telling my music what to do. I kind of like to listen to it and, um, uh, and kind of ask it like, okay, so now where are you going? And sometimes it takes a long time for me to decipher what it, where it wants to go. Uh, sometimes it's pretty quick. Um, and I also, I, I write down my music so that I, I can reflect back on it and, and replicate it. But um, I take that listening part very seriously. Uh, so once things are on the page, I, uh, I don't really care uh, about it that much. I, I kind of care more as that as a reference so that I can recall later how I performed it at one particular time. But I often find that it changes. I often find that like when I listen back to it in the future, or I play it in the future, um, either it's changed how it wants to go, or or I was actually wrong um, in how it wants to go. And so uh, my compositions, I don't like that word. My compositions um, are never finished. They're always just a record of how I have performed it at a time. But it's really about listening uh, to how it wants to be. Yeah. It, sound, it sounds like you have a cycle of improvisation, development, and reflection. Those are the three sort of terms that have come to mind. I like the idea when you say that everything starts off as an improvisation. Oh yeah, do you think I've, Beethoven like uh, just was like, oh, this is what it sounds like, and stamped it down yeah. on the page? Like, no, it's not absolutely what not. He like he had to go like, oh, it's, it sounds like the oh yeah, that's cool. I want to keep that. You know, <laughs> that's how he does it. Even then, it, it 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 could be an improvisation in the mind, not necessarily an improvisation on the on the piano. Uh, everything is improvised. Language is improvised. Yeah. And and so this, music, this, uh, music podcast is, is improvised. Yeah, it absolutely is. There, yeah. there's no such thing as a plan that is so rigid that would make for. I, I think that would make for not very good art. Sticking to a plan without ever having a leeway for for change and especially for reflection and seeing what you'd like to change about it. I was thinking, uh, and I'm glad you just mentioned that, Ethan. Uh, about bad art, because I love bad art. Mm -hmm. um, Can learn I, a lot from it. Well, uh, it, it, one thing is that I've learned 
more from doing things that I hate than I have from doing things that I like. In fact, I don't learn much from things that I like. I learn more from going through things that I don't like and realizing what not to do than realizing what to do. But I, I also, um, I meant to mention Amanda Palmer in artists that influence me uh, because I love her and I think her music is so bad. You know, she's like not a very good singer. Uh, She's actually a pretty decent piano player, but, um, you know, but she's just so uh, confident and she's so raw in her approach that I, it really connects with me. So I think that like, and, and art's not objective, but I think that her stuff is kind of subjectively bad. It's poorly crafted, but it's also brilliant. It's like, it's just so human and relatable that it conveys so much to me and it, it's so impactful even though like the actual ingredients are like expired so what do you think makes good music and what makes bad music and are we even right to differentiate between the two are we are we right to say that something is bad well I think, um, you know, like the more wine you drink, the more you develop a palate for, for different kinds of wine. And you might like think that, you know, $9 wine's bad and you have to get, you know, your Chateauneuf to pop or whatever. But the reality is the best dr wine is the one you like to drink. And I think that's with music as well, is the best music is the stuff you like to listen to. So I, I think what makes music good is, is wanting to listen to it. So I, I don't really think that there's like a, a good way of saying, you know, is this good or is this bad? Other than saying, I really like to listen to this. And yeah, it's almost a it's almost a ridiculous question at that point. Yeah, I guess the the my answer to the question is I disagree with it. Because mm -hmm. um, there's so much music that I don't like uh, that lots of other people do, and actually I find it very interesting when I'm the odd one out and I'm like, oh, I really don't like that, and other people do, because then I want to go, well, what are they hearing that I'm not? Why, why do they like this? Because I think it's just trash. I want to figure out what they liked about it. So really, I, I think good music is the music you listen to. That makes sense. Music is subjective, as everyone would say. Yeah. It's very, and, and art is personal. It's, it's all about perception. And everyone perceives things differently. So really fair points about that. I find that really inspiring to always be looking at things, you know, as oh this person really liked it why don't i see it the same way that they do um and how can i learn to enjoy it the way they do yeah there's a lot to be there's a, there's a lot to learn not just within terms of art but uh, with it like even within terms of like language there, there's so much french tv that i could be enjoying right now but i don't understand what they're saying and i think that does sort of relate to musical tastes adam neely made a really good video about 
forcing himself to like contemporary Christian music. Uh, that was a really fantastic video. And it brushed on a topic that I, I, I had been thinking about at the time of learning to love things that you just really hate. But, but there is something to be learned about that, about why, why go through life hating some things when you can love it all. I mean, love feels better than hate. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, you've kind of mentioned your dislike for the word composition and also that you aren't a big fan of maybe other people playing the music that you write. Does that sort of rule out the idea of a career as a composer for you? Or do you still kind of see it as a possibility in your future? Um, so I'm not, I, I really value having a, a very close uh, interaction with um, who's playing my music. Um, so I'm almost always part of it. Uh, and the times that I'm not part of it, it's usually a computer that I'm controlling. So yeah, I'm always a part of it. And so, so there's um, a decent number of people that I like to work with. And, and those are all people that I have a strong interpersonal relationship with already. But as for, um, you know, writing music for uh, other people to play, uh, I would have to find a way to put myself in it in some way or shape or form. Uh, I'm always interested in those challenges because I, 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 uh, I like to, to make things with people. And so, you know, if some quartet goes, wow, I really like what you do, would you please write a piece for us? You know, I wouldn't, I don't think that I would be so bold as to be like, yes, but it's going to be a quintet and it's going to be for, um, your string quartet plus harp. And I'm going to be a part of it. I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but I'd want to find a creative way to make it so that I'm a part of the performance. I don't like the idea of publishing my works. I don't like the idea of uh, other people, you know, going and buying my sheet music and playing it. I don't, I mean, maybe at some day, maybe at some point I'm, I'm okay with giving that away to other people. Or maybe with some pieces, I feel like that, that could be fine. But I don't think that a composer, and for because this is an audio format, I did air quotes there. Um, I'm still a creator. I'm still going to be making music. I just don't know if, you know, writing for other people is... I don't have a clear idea of how I will make that work now. I don't think that I won't make that work. I think that I will make it work. I just don't have a clear idea for that right now. I think that's something I'll figure out uh, later on. You know, because I, I love finding out how wrong I was down the road. And so maybe like uh, five years from now, I'll realize how wrong I was to be so selfish and not want other people to play my music. Uh, I, I, I cherish it like it's a, a child. And so I, I'm really, really uh, particular. And, uh, and that's why I don't like other people playing it. But maybe one day I'll be able to let go of that. Maybe that would be nice. Maybe that would be liberating. I don't know. Right now it sounds scary. So in terms of your career, what are some of your short and long-term goals, if you can be specific about that? So short-term goals would be um, to pay my rent with uh, 
my art and I guess my long-term goals would be to pay my mortgage. <laughs> oh my good, gosh. Eh? Okay, yeah, that's good. You got me. I try not to laugh, but that's really funny. Long, short term, I would really um, like to start teaching a lot more. Uh, I have a, a student right now that's from Wales. I think that's cool. I think that's a cool thing that this pandemic has taught us is how we're able to interact with people that aren't just so connected. Us. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to teach a lot more. You know, I, I get a lot out of teaching um, and uh, as a means of supporting myself creating. And long term, I would like to keep teaching and keep creating and uh, go from paying my rent with my art to paying my mortgage with my art. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not somebody that wants a world stage, though that would be cool if it happened. Uh, but uh, really, I just am interested in um, connecting honestly with whoever wants to listen. And I'm just going to pursue doing that, whether it's by teaching or by playing or by collaborating with somebody else. I just, uh, that's what I'm most interested in. Is there any of your music or any of your media, I should say, actually, that you would like to present to the podcast? Well, works in progress right now are um, works in progress. Uh, and you can look forward to hearing those this spring. Uh, I have one piece that uh, I, I um, you know, I know I did a good job uh, when I want to listen to it twice, because uh, a lot of my music I'll listen to it and then I never want to hear it again. Um, but I hope other people do. Uh, so there's this piece that I did. It's called Bending Drumming. It's for solo harp and electronics, and I. Uh, I got an honorable mention for it in a competition, um, but it really uh, was just an exploration in sounds on the harp.
So Andrew, you're in your fourth and final year here at Laurier. I was wondering if you could share your biggest learning experiences or your biggest takeaway that you could share with the audience here um, from your time at Laurier. Um, do lots of things. Uh, I, I, I said it earlier, but uh, I learned what I like to do by learning a lot about what I don't like to do. And, and the way I figured it out is by just doing a lot of things. And um, I think I also learned that uh, honesty is a really important, powerful thing in music. And, you know, people can pick up on when you're trying to do something that or say something that you don't believe in. So uh, making music that... Uh, I know I'm honest about and uh, just genuinely enjoy, uh, you know, like uh, make things for yourself, I guess, is the, my biggest takeaway is uh, somebody else might enjoy listening to it as well. Uh, but whenever I've tried to write how I thought somebody else wanted me to, or whenever I uh, was trying to write something that sounded more impressive or whatever, I always ended up uh, being less satisfied, and I found that the more honest I am in my music is the more uh, engaging it is. Um, to give advice to prospective or first year or emerging students at Laurier or whoever's listening, I think that um, Changing the way that you, like forcing the way that you interact with the world differently is, uh, is really important. Uh, so don't wear your headphones uh, when you're walking. Become more engaged with your surroundings and listen to the interesting sounds that surround us all the time. Um, less musical, but just equally important is um is to dance and dance really confidently even if it's bad uh in fact like uh just be honest with your body and dance uh i think that i found for myself that uh there is a direct correlation between my good days and my bad days and days where i dance and i don't dance um, and so I try to dance every day and I'm a really bad dancer, but I just like to, uh, you know, be honest with my body and where it wants to go. And it's usually terrible, but it, it's freeing. Um, dance and don't wear your headphones.
only engage with music when you want to seriously engage with it. Um, don't use it as background fluff to distract you from the world around you. Be fully immersed in the world around you and listen to it very intently. That's beautiful. Very, very passionate words from you, Andrew. I'm really glad that you shared um, some of your intimate thoughts about music and <laughs> not wearing headphones, not the most intimate take. However, something that I will be taking away from this. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. I think we're about ready to cut our podcast right there. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast with us today. We've really taken away a lot from this. There, there's a lot of, uh, I suppose, teachable moments to be cheesy. We really appreciate your presence here. And thank you so much to our listeners. We really appreciate you showing us your support. And we hope that you found something that you can take away from this podcast today. If you're interested in listening to the entirety of Bending Drumming and some of the other pieces we have played on today's episode, you can find Andrew's work on SoundCloud under the name Andrew Reinhardt. We will see you next time. Have a good one. Take care.